Welcome to the Volatile Weekly Podcast. This is episode seven of the podcast. I was able to speak with Ben Jewell of interest. This was a fantastic conversation, and uh, you will definitely enjoy this one. Today, we have Ben from a band called Ventress. Uh, ben, can you tell me about yourself? What's going on, man? Well, first off, well, you just introduced my name. My name is Ben. Uh, fun fact about me, I'm six foot eight. So that's, you know, uh, one thing that people, they don't know me in person. Uh, that's, that's one thing that, uh, you know, tends to shock people when they find out. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see what you want to know, man. What you know, musical background or uh, wait, we can go musical background. Um, so I've been singing since age about 15. Uh, I started uh, I started playing in bands when I was about 14. I started playing drums and uh, eventually uh, moved to singing because uh, I couldn't find anybody to do it. And uh, I've been doing it ever since. Uh, I started this band back in 2012. Um, so we've been going on for about nine years now. The lineup that's you know currently in place has been together for about four years. Uh, we have two EPs um, that we've released respectively in 2014 and 2019, as well as a brand new single called Talladega, which we released two weeks ago. Um, and I believe that is uh, that that's going to be my introduction for right now. All right, great. So uh, first off, uh, wow, you are you are very tall. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah I'm five ten, so I'm like way shorter than you. So. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you're from, uh, Baton Rouge, is that right? Yes. Uh, well, right outside of Baton Rouge, I grew up in a little town called New Roads, Louisiana, which is about 45 minutes, uh, outside of the city. Um, and we all grew up collectively around the city, except Jesse. He grew up, he, he's, he's originally from the Northeast. Uh, he grew up partially in New Jersey as well as Pennsylvania, but whenever we found him, he was living in Gulfport, Mississippi, so we're all, other than Jesse, we're all collectively surrounding Baton Rouge. Me and Sean live in the Western Baton Rouge side. We live on the West side of the Mississippi river. BJ does as well, but he's from originally from Prairieville, which is on more of the Southeastern corner of Baton Rouge. So, um, but I mean, obviously as anybody from any small town, they're going to say the closest nearest big city is where they're from. So, but I mean, I've lived in Baton Rouge. I still, still claim that city is a big part of my life and uh, I will always represent Baton Rouge anywhere I go. Well, that, that's completely understandable. Uh, I've heard pretty good things about Baton Rouge. I've never been to that part of uh, Louisiana. I've just been to New Orleans and uh, like Gulfport, Mississippi and that area. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Baton Rouge is uh, in its college town. Um, Baton Rouge is a weird city, man. There's just like, you can go to, you can go down one street and see, you know, concrete buildings and beautifully paved sidewalks. And then like two streets over, you know, it's like, you know, a little bit poverty stricken. And it's just like, it's like a weirdly placed city, but uh, a lot of it's coming up. Uh, there's actually this uh, government street is uh, really revamped, which is in mid city Baton Rouge. They've really revamped the, everything they've done on that street. They've, they've opened up brand new four star, five star restaurants, uh, completely new nightlife. Uh, and then also you've got by LSU, you got Chime Street, like the Varsity Theater, which is our hometown, which is our home venue. I mean, that's, that's you know, basically where we cut our teeth for shoot until the COVID happened. Uh, basically the, since earlier on in our career, you know, until then, you know, I mean, we would cut our teeth in that place. As soon as we, I mean, that was like our first, premier venue one of our first premier venues we ever played at and you know especially being in your hometown I mean that's the one that you need to impress and you know that entire area downtown Baton Rouge anywhere by LSU I mean I've been all around that thing <laughs> I've been all around that city I mean I mean it's not a big city it's only about 200,000 people so I mean it's not like widespread say like Houston Texas or I mean it's even not nearly as big as New Orleans but I mean, it's a decent sized city, but it's not huge. It's like a big city with a small town vibe. Have you seen any, uh, like, is there any kind of tourism with that coming through there, that area? Uh, I mean, 
when, it, when you mean tourism, I mean, there's a lot of historic, there's a lot of history in Baton Rouge. So that draws in a lot of people. Uh, we have one of the most, uh, one of the most uh, infamous haunted houses in the country. We have the 13th gate, which draws in a number of people from around the world every single October, because it's only open one year, one month of the year. And I mean, it, it's, it's spectacular. I mean, the theatrics that they do there and everything is just phenomenal. Recommend 10 out of 10. Um, and then you got, whenever college football season comes, you have a lot of people coming into the game. You have, I mean, Baton Rouge's tourism is so different from like New Orleans tourism and Lafayette tourism. I feel like Baton Rouge is more of like a business city. Oh, okay. So we have a lot of chemical plants and we have a lot of industry in Baton Rouge. So I feel like a lot of people move there from out of town because they kind of have to, you know, like there, there's work here. And I really, it's just like there is, I mean, every city has any kind of tourism, regardless of people are just, I mean, the way I look at tourism is people stopping in to get a bite to eat on the road, or they come to take an entire tour of the city. I mean, people are coming in and out of every single city for whatever reason. Um, but Baton Rouge's tourism is just so, uh, I really don't know how to describe it. I mean, it, it, it is, a, they have some really, really pretty parts. I think, I think a lot of people probably just pass through it and want to go stop by and see what's going on. I don't know anyone that specifically tours to Baton Rouge other than if they're going to the 13th gate or if they're going, if, if they're say an Alabama fan or, you know, anybody in the SEC, they're going to go see their team play LSU at Tiger Stadium. It's a, it's a different city, put it that way. And I think a lot of people don't know about Baton Rouge. They don't know enough about Baton Rouge to really just make their way there unless they just somehow in there. But that's my opinion. I could be completely wrong. I, everything I could be telling you is completely wrong. I guarantee you there's probably someone out there that's been dying to go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana their entire life. And I mean, if you're listening, that person, I mean, hey, come over, you know, we'll definitely drink you to death. <laughs> I mean, yeah, people in Louisiana like to drink. It's just, it's just part of the culture. Well, it, uh, Baton Rouge sounds like uh, like it's uh, really changing and, and becoming a, a really good uh, area. Uh, now, we've we've talked a lot about um, Baton Rouge, and it, it kind of got me wondering, like, uh, how do you think that's uh, influenced your music? Oh, I think it's influenced it greatly. I think every, any environment that any any musician has been put in, regardless if they love their city or not, influences their craft. And I think that, especially like we, a lot of, we're country boy, except for Jesse, we're all, we all grew up in the sticks and the bayous. So, you know, with nothing to do and a dream in your fingertips, and especially not having a whole lot of uh, exposure to that, like, like say whenever I was, you know, 16, 15 years old, you know, I mean, I listened to mainstream rock and metal artists and I went to their concerts, but like, I didn't know that there was a local scene. I didn't know that there was bands cutting teeth at thrift stores and uh, record stores and, and all that stuff. And I was, I was about 17 whenever I went to my first local show. But I think that Baton Rouge's vibe, they, there was this joke, this internet joke at one time going around that Baton Rouge is a Deftones song that turned into a city. And honestly, that's so right. It's just like this very sludgy kind of like, it has like this aesthetic to it that's just so, it's kind of like, I wouldn't even say junky. It's just so sleazy. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, it's appealing. And in my opinion, it's inspiring. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like just looking at my, like anytime I drive through Baton Rouge, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I'm proud to like, especially like in the music world, I'm proud to represent that city. Like this is my, this is our city. You know, everyone should be able to claim everyone. Everyone should, you know, it's it's a shame when artists don't represent their cities, you know, well, because they don't like it or whatever, regardless of what you came from there. And you have to own up to it because that city, your surroundings and your entire like not maybe not your entire influence, but it played a part into it. Believe that. And man, I'm trying to give a good example. I We haven't written any song specifically about the city, but obviously we have this, uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I said this to the band a long time ago, we just, I don't know, like we, we, we don't, and somebody in the band disagree with it, but we sound like we're from Louisiana. Like, I don't know, we just have like this little spunk to us that's kind of like, 
like metalcore with like Cajun spice, in my opinion. And we would have never gotten that if it wasn't for the red stick of Louisiana, which Baton Rouge means red stick in French for those that don't know. I'm sorry, I talk a lot. No, 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 that's that's great. Uh, yeah, one thing, um, you know, I, I have liked about the several trips I've taken to uh, uh, Louisiana is is the culture. It, it just uh, it just feels different from everywhere else I've ever been. And uh, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I was just listening to some of your music and yeah, I can definitely hear that spice in there. Oh, yeah. Louisiana culture is so you, you will find none like it from the food to the music to the people. Well, most of the people. Um, South Louisiana, put it that way. North Louisiana is a little different, but like South, if you cut like Louisiana from like where the boot starts, like from where the foot starts, you're going to find a whole different culture that <laughs> if you're not from here, you've never seen it. I mean, we can go get daiquiris, which is for those that don't know, I'm, I'm sure hopefully everyone knows what a daiquiri is. It's a frozen alcoholic beverage. You can get those in the drive through here. You can, I mean, I literally, I got boiled crawfish today from a drive through and came home and tore it up. And it was amazing, which I hope if you came to Louisiana, you were able to try some boiled crawfish. No, I, I didn't get to try any uh, crawfish. I, I was, um, I was, that was when I was in my early twenties. So I was mostly like going to uh, the, um, uh, the uh, Bourbon Street and uh, the casinos and stuff like that. And um, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I tried some of the food, but I, I've always been kind of hesitant to crawfish. Like I can do lobster, I can do shrimp, but crawfish are just, they look a little too much like bugs for me. <laughs> my girl's from ohio and she says the same exact thing and i keep trying to convince her to uh just try it i'm like come on i'll even peel it for you like you'll like it and she actually did try when she came down here she uh had a um she had some crawfish etouffee my grandma had we went to a restaurant with my grandparents and she had a piece of crawfish in a crawfish etouffee which is like i really don't even know how to describe it i really don't eat crawfish etouffee i eat boiled hard boiled crawfish I don't really eat any like crawfish dishes. I don't really like fried crawfish that much. Like it, it's gotta be boiled and it's gotta be hot. And my nose has gotta be running cause it's so damn hot. And there's gotta be corn in it, sausage. Uh, I mean, you, you could throw so many things in a crawfish bowl and it'll make it amazing. But yes, if you're from out of, where are you from exactly? Uh, I am from uh, South Georgia, uh, Valdosta, Georgia to be specific. Valdosta, Georgia, I've heard of that. We've played in Albany. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'll Albany is uh, northwest of us. Uh, mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's like uh, maybe hour and a half, two hours. Okay. Like All right. I, I know I've seen it. And then I have some friends in a band from Albany. And I know they've played Baldasta, Georgia, a handful mm -hmm. of times. That's my boys in days to come. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah they've, uh, I've seen Valdosta, Georgia come up here and there from stuff. But, yeah, Louisiana culture, ain't none like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean – it's it's definitely one state that is just it's its own thing you know yeah I, i've i haven't traveled the the entire united states but i've been you know from florida to uh massachusetts and uh and all of those states in between not was as unique as uh, louisiana uh, i think it's a pretty awesome state Oh, yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely uh, and I feel like it's overshadowed, you know, especially from the people that haven't ever come and, you know, kind of like put us down as like a redneck state or, you know, it's they just don't know. They, they don't know what they're missing. And, you know, they got to neither they got to know the right people. If they just like show up to some rinky dink, not knowing, having a clue where they're at, then they're not going to have a good time. I mean, that's just. You know, you know, you got you got to know somebody to tell. And then also you got to know somebody to keep you out of the dangerous spots, too, because that especially well in New Orleans, especially in New Orleans, that is quite common. And, uh, and whenever Shiprock, OK, so Shiprock, the cruise that I go on, uh, I've only been on the last two years, but last year I went out of New Orleans and whenever they announce on the boat when the ship is going to be what port it's going to be out of the next year. That's like one of the first things they do. They get everybody on the deck. They put a giant on the, on the big, because like the, the um, backdrop on the deck stage is a uh, is an LED screen. 
and they'll they played a New Orleans video, and I, I I that's how I found out. I was like, holy shit, it's going on in New Orleans next year. This is gonna be great. So you know, and the year before I went out of Galveston, Texas. So you know, and I'm just talking. I'm meeting people. I'm handing out stuff, and you know, letting them know you know about Ventress and everything. You know, because I mean, when I'm on that boat, I was promoting like a madman. But of course, I was giving them a lot of advice. Uh, you know, of what to do and what not to do in the French Quarter. And I had a lot of people come up to you know, and I would just you know run into the same people, run into people that I don't even remember meeting. Just like, dude, thank you for telling me not to talk to those people who asked me about my shoes or thank you for telling me not to talk to these people about uh, donating to the animal shelter. Thank you for, you know, telling me not to talk to these people who, no, no, don't take any shots that they offer you on Bourbon Street because they're going to take that shot and it's like, oh, that shot is $17. So it's like, yeah, just they, they sound like they're nice. They sound like they want to have a good time, but they just want to rip you the fuck off. Yeah, that I can definitely uh, agree with you. Uh, before I, I went there, so, someone told me about the shoe thing, and uh, I thought it was kind of a joke. And then probably two hours, you know, in being in New Orleans, someone tried that on me. <laughs> oh, it, I, I actually fell for it. When I was 18, because I mean, being from like I was from like the northwest side of Baton Rouge. I didn't really I'd go to New Orleans occasionally with my family, but I moved to Covington, Louisiana, whenever I was 18, which is about 45 minutes away from New Orleans ish. So I was going to New Orleans all the time. And I remember I went with a friend from high school and I had never heard the shoe thing. I thought they were just, and like, I really didn't know much about Bourbon Street. I didn't know anything. Like I was so clueless and I fell for it and really wasn't. And then they, they cleaned my shoes. They, which they really didn't do a great job. I was wearing Converse. So they just tried shining like the little white tip at, at the end of the shoe. And, you know, they did, yeah, they took a little bit of the black smudges off, but I wouldn't say like they made that thing like polished. And then they wouldn't leave me alone until I gave them $20. And like they kept following, kept saying over and over again, 10 for the shine, 10 for the line. <laughs> And, and like, I was like, I'm about to lose my life. So uh, me being 18 years old, I gave him $20 and took off. Cause I was like, good God, this is, this is just overwhelming, you know, but playing in new Orleans is great. We played house of the blues a number of times. We played Howlin' Wolf in the warehouse district, even playing in the suburbs, Southport hall in new Orleans is a great venue. They got some great venues out there as well. And uh, some great music, which Baton Rouge does too. Baton Rouge is a lot of great metal and rock bands as well as a lot of other genres. I mean, the music in Baton Rouge and well, music in Louisiana in general doesn't, everyone, everyone knows New Orleans is like, you know, the birthplace of jazz and, you know, you got blues in New Orleans and all that stuff. But I mean, a lot of like, especially when it comes to like hard rock and metal, you know, I mean, New Orleans had like a pretty, pretty thick scene back in the eighties, you know, you had Phil on, well, I mean, Phil on Selma was probably the best example I could give of that. He played in bands, you know, Razor White, he was in other bands. And then there was a lot of bands like Exhorter, you know, you had bands like Zebra, bands like Lillian Axe, and like that was kind of a start. And then like in the mid 90s, you had that sludge metal scene, which was very influential, Crowbar, Acid Bath, uh, even Goat Whore later on, but after Acid Bath um, disbanded because uh, Odie died, they formed uh, Goat Whore. And I'm trying, oh man, why is it, why are none coming up to me? Why are none uh, hitting me? <laughs> They're all, but, but even today, Baton Rouge has a ton of great uh, local and rock and metal bands and it's we get overshadowed and it was getting so healthy prior to COVID and COVID happened and it, it was just heartbreaking it was like god damn you know there were so many shows so many bands were playing shows people were going to shows that was the big thing people were like local like people were going to shows and that was why you know shows weren't happening in Baton Rouge I mean there was a lot of great bands but no one was coming to see people but now people were packing out shows it, it was it was a wonderful thing it was so sad to see COVID ruin it all yeah, COVID has really made a uh, a terrible impact to, you know, every part of society at this point. I mean, uh, businesses gone, uh, you know, people, you know, losing their homes, can't eat. You know, it's, it's just been it's just been bad. Oh, yeah. It's I lost my job in December. Well, I just I just got a new job, but got laid off in December. I mean, 2020 was a shit year. I lost my dad in a motorcycle accident in October, caught COVID in November. I uh, got laid off in December. It was, it, it was, it was a pretty uh, monstrous uh, domino effect of how things were. And then we couldn't play shows, you know, throughout the year, sometimes I just forget I was even a musician. I was just, I wasn't, we weren't doing anything. I was just like, 
you know, I just, I would come home and it was just like, you know, we'd come to the weekend and like my weekend surrounded, I didn't even realize like, and I feel so bad. And I know everybody does too. And everybody did it. So nobody can say that they didn't, but I feel so bad, like what we had. And like, I took it for granted. Cause you know, like I did try to go to, I, I was, I did go to local shows all the time and I tried to go to every show that I could, but obviously you can't make everything. And some of you just kind of like, eh, I'm too tired to go. So I'm going to stay home. I regret all of those, every single one of those times that I was just too tired and didn't feel like going out. I regret every single one of those nights. I, I know exactly how you feel. I mean, uh, I, I look back and, and I always wonder, you know, how things would be different, you know, if I would have just taken, you know, more chances. Um, like uh, one of my favorite quotes now is, uh, uh, you miss every sh uh, shot that you don't take. And that's something I try to keep in mind. Yep, that's Michael Jordan for you. Well, I, I don't know who was the originator of that quote, but I, for, I remember hearing that quote first from Michael Jordan. I just, I just finished watching The Last Dance, which is a great series on Netflix. I, I recommend anybody check it out. It was very, very, very inspiring. It, it was just, and, and it was very like educational too. Like I didn't realize the cultural impact that the 90s Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan in particular had on culture and just the way, like the way, I don't know, he was just like a huge icon. And yeah, he said, you miss every shot you do not take. And he told that to some players that were sitting on the bench, not warming up at practice. Oh yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that uh, I think people should just, you know, really keep in mind and, and just take those chances. You, you never know, uh, you know, where it's going to take you. It's, it's sort of like uh, your band, you know. Um, uh, you, you took a chance and uh, the, the band, it just, to, to me, from, from listening to your music, it sounds like, like you guys work well together and um, are uh, onto something really, really good. Yeah, man, take that. We took that chance, you know, and, and I mean, it took years to figure out the right lineup and the right, you know, direction that we wanted to take and the right, you know, exactly the way we wanted the band, you know, and um, I'm just so glad and we're so glad that we, we, we could have called it quits after two years, three years, four years. But I mean, the band's nine years, you know, like, I mean, shit don't happen in a day, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's definitely not. Well, I mean, when I say nine years, I mean, that's like ventures in, in entirety. But I will say that the, the past four years, you know, with this has been like the most detrimental. Actually, I'd say the past five years, because right before we got Jesse, it was like, like this, this whole lineup right now we've had for the past four years. But the last five years, 2016 was kind of like the starting point of like when the wheels started to really turn. Because from 2012 to 2015, it was playing in front of nobody. We had like a few shows where there was like a decent amount of people, but it was just dive bar after dive bar. And, you know, it just, things just didn't seem like they were clicking. And then something happened in 2016. It was like a domino effect. We just had one good show we played with, uh, which I mean, we had played with them a handful of times before, but this specific one time we played with 12 stones at the varsity in Baton Rouge created a domino effect for us because we sold a bunch of pre-sale tickets and that got around to many promoters in, Bat in, in, in the Louisiana area and we did that for every single one of those shows, uh, you know, and that opened us up, up playing with Hell Yeah, All That Remains, uh, Gemini Syndrome. Uh, we played with Cannibal Corpse, Star Set, um, Pop Evil we've played with. We played with, um, ooh, I'm trying to think of some other ones, Puddle of Mud even, which was a great show. You know, they, you know, they get a bad rap, but I, that was one of my favorite shows I've ever played. And... Um, you know, you just have to take that chance. If I, we would have never took any of those shots, we would have never made any of them. And of course, you know, like you're not going to have every, not every show is going to go great. You know, you'll have some disasters. You're not going to make everybody happy, even, you know, business guys. And, you know, but you just got to, you know, it, and it sucks because, you know, you feel like, especially if you piss off like a big promoter, or this and that, because of whatever reason, you know, it's crushing to you, you know, because if you feel like, it's over. You feel like, oh shit, well, I just messed it up. But uh, you just gotta the next day just brush it off and realize. I mean, most of the time it's nothing personal, you know. They might have just 
been stressed out that day and you know just all it took was like a little something like uh man uh they, when we played with pop evil our drummer uh oh, bj which he likes to tell this story too it's a funny story um it was like five minutes away from going on stage and bj had to take a massive shit and uh literally like we he could not hold it and we were like late getting on stage and the manager of the varsity was like tell your drummer next time to put a cork in it you put i'll push the whole show back and that was like one of those times where i'm like oh shit we just completely and like we had such like a like i thought that we i thought it was over i don't know i was just i guess i like i don't know like it, it just it was it was nerve-wracking but everything was great I, I, that guy Brent is still a great guy and like I mean like you know he's, he's always been a great guy to us and I love him to death and I really really uh I look up to him and, and he's helped us out so much but it was just one of those I was like holy shit like I can't believe we're pissed off Brent but uh or we pissed off Brent and uh but you know you just got to go for it and you know honestly the easiest the, the, the way you're going to succeed you know is, is failure you know uh I'm trying to think there was this uh we played the show a long time ago in Metairie, which is right outside of New Orleans. And there weren't really a whole lot of people there. Uh, and there was this dude, he had, uh, what's those like red stars that people get tattoos of, like the red and the black stars. He had those tattooed on both his arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he comes up to our band when we were like loading our stuff up and was like, the band was good. And at first he's like, the vocals could have were okay. And then he gets like sloppy drunk. And like comes up to me, he was like, bro, you need to stop singing. Your singing voice sucks. But your screams are awesome. But your singing voice sucked. And it was just like to hear something like that, you know, and I, I was pretty young when I heard that. I mean, that shit was like, but yet again, he was just some drunk douchebag looking dude. So like I tried to play it off that like I didn't really care about it, but I'm like, why would someone come up to me and just tell me that? You know, especially whenever I'm the one on stage and you're fucking not, you're in the crowd drinking beer. But you know, um, Tom went on, and I mean, like, it it made me work harder at it. You know, it made, made me really it made me bust my ass even harder. You know, you're gonna fail a hundred times before you succeed. That's just the way. That's just the way life works, and that's something that's very hard for people to understand because people fail once. And feel like they failed at everything, but no, that you didn't really fail. You just didn't get the opportunity. It's a better way to look at it. Oh yeah, and and you know I I like to consider failures a uh, like a learning experience because I mean it is something that kind of if you if you know what you did wrong, then maybe the next time you won't do that and uh, it'll just get better. Yes, yes. I mean. Definition of insanity is, you know, repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So if you can learn from the what you did wrong and apply that, then that's that's all then you, that's good. That's what life is, is learning what not to do and what to do to be successful. You know, and, and some, some people realize the building blocks and understand like, you know, the mistakes they make and, you know, to not make these mistakes again. And then some people just don't. And, you know, I really wish that, you know, just like, like I wish more people would, you know, because I feel like some people, because they make these mistakes over and over again, they feel like they're not capable of changing themselves. They feel like they're stuck in a bubble of just failure. And that's not the right mindset to have with it. And, and it's easy to get that mindset because, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't get a job that you wanted or, you know, you don't get a, I mean, even like, you know, going back to like a high school thing, you don't make the football team or the basketball team, you know, I mean, Michael Jordan didn't make his basketball team his freshman year. They told him he, he didn't, he wouldn't have, didn't have enough strength or that was another part in the, another, the last dance uh, series, you know, like he still need, he need, he had a lot of work to do. And literally that summer or that, that year, he just focused on, he wanted to be the greatest basketball player of all time. And he became that he failed. Like he literally didn't make his high school team. The greatest player in the entire world did not make his, his first time he tried out. I mean, he obviously went back the next year, but ninth grade, when he went into the, when he tried out for the team, he didn't make it. And that crushed him because 
he'd worked so hard, but he worked even harder. He didn't give up. And, and, and but like I said, it's so it is easy to think that. I mean, it, you know, the human mind can only take so much. And, you know, building like ment mental strength is a trait that it can't be you, you can't be taught it, in my opinion. You have to experience something and just it strengthens your heart and strengthens your mind. And it really it's detriment. I mean, that's why I mean, like you notice a lot of people that go through a lot of more traumatic events, you know, sometimes, you know, come out way stronger just because like they just. They, you know, like it, it's and I'm not saying everybody, you know, either, you know, I'm just speaking figuratively, you know, just from what I've seen and, you know, what a lot of people have seen. It's failure is important to life at times and you won't learn how to do something right unless you do it wrong now i mean you can learn beforehand but honestly i mean i don't know i'm not good at, i've never been good at reading instructions so that's how i've always that's how i've always learned stuff and that's how i've always gotten better it's just by messing it up and then realizing and figuring out what i did wrong and trying again oh yeah uh, so over the years, it, it sounds like you've had some some ups and downs. Um, when you when you've had the downs, uh, what has given you the drive to uh, you know to keep going? Well, the band for one, the band, uh, just the guys in the band have kept me going. I mean, got even you know just talking about this past year, my dad passing. I mean, all of those guys were there for me, and it was just uh, I mean it was hell. You know, I mean, like, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then not to mention, like, you know, any family or friends, I mean, they keep me going. They keep me grounded. Um, staying disciplined for the most part uh, and, and responsible for the most part. You know, not everyone's perfect, but I mean, I, I try to, you know, stay as uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? What's the right term? You know, just put it this like what I was saying earlier you know as time goes on if like a lot of people that go through traumatic events sometimes that strengthens their mind it strengthens their heart and that's exactly what happened to me you know especially in these last few months I mean if I can get through what I went through with losing my dad unexpectedly and then all this stuff that transpired because that's a whole nother story and involves somebody else but I don't even want to waste the time talking about it um then I can get through anything I mean I I could nothing I wouldn't say nothing phases me now, but I went through something that I'd never thought on earth I would ever go through. And I never thought I'd experience the sudden loss of a parent. And, and no one expects that. No, no one ever expects that, you know, but you can always see it from your own eyes, you know, putting yourself in other people's shoes. It, 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 it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to do that. You're not them. You, you can't experience exactly what they're going through. And, they thought the same thing when it happened to them that it couldn't happen to them but the sad thing is it can and it did and you know even like you know back five six years ago i had a complete mental breakdown and you know i just kind of just forgot everything like i don't know i, I just i really you know felt so uh lost and i, I just felt like i just couldn't do anything like I, I couldn't even do simple tasks like i was just so out of it and I really don't even know how to describe it. I wrote a song about it. it's called psychosis um which is not I was never diagnosed with psychosis it was just and it, it was it was an example of a mental illness that was a right fit for the title and the song just brings awareness to mental illness itself but I was just so unaware I, I was I was not aware of my surroundings and just was not really I wasn't checked in and I didn't want to be in public ever, even though, you know, playing music and even though we weren't in public, we weren't. And I said, like at that time, we we're playing in front of nobody. I mean, I just wasn't me. I, I wasn't I had no foundation of anything. And I still really don't even understand, like, what happened. But over the years, I got medicated. I got back on my feet and I rediscovered myself and reinvented myself and I think just one day just saying, you know what, I'm tired of it. I'm sick of just being this way. 
Like, I want to be me again. How can I be me again? And that was me rediscovering all the things that I loved and uh, just finding out who was really there for me and who wasn't and surrounding myself with the right people, which took many, many years to do. But really just a foundation is everything. You know, people say they can do it alone, but you really can't. You can't do it alone. Uh, I mean, if you only have your, if you're only talking to yourself in your head, you're not getting any advice or any, you're not learning anything from anything in the outside world. You're not learning anything from anything, anybody else. Like you're just stuck in your head and you're just running in circles. You know, you're not growing. You're not, you're literally staying, you're literally running in circles around your head and you're staying just trapped. And I'd have to answer with that with my, as my foundation and everybody in my life that means the world to me, the band, both of my bands, I mean, I'm in two bands and uh, Bayou Bullets, my other band, but um, just, just having the right fit in life, like finding my right peace in life. And music is honestly another big part of that too. But so, yeah, that, that, that's definitely what's kept me grounded is just, my family, my closest friends, who I also consider family. And I'm thankful for every single one of them. Well, I think it's fantastic that you you have that foundation. Uh, I, I think some some people who who just uh, fall prey to, you know, to depression or whatever, they, they don't necessarily always have people that are understanding or, or people that can um, you know, help them through the, the dark times. And, and I'm very happy to hear that, that you are able to, to navigate through that, you know, with, with everyone around helping you. Right. Yeah. I mean, not everyone's blessed for that, you know, and it took me years to like really admit it, you know, cause I, that was another part I meant I was in denial about it for a long time. And I think that was actually part of the reason that it took me a while, you know, until eventually I said, I want me back, but I was in denial about everything. Like I, I was just like, this doesn't exist or I was making excuses for it and I wasn't admitting it. And that was making me just, that was driving me insane. And having that foundation, once I was able to open up about it, once I felt comfortable about opening up about it and even writing about it, that was, that was kind of my moment where I was like, wow, I can be me again. If I only would have known it was just that easy back then, then I'd have done it a long time ago, but it, it was just like that. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I totally get it. I've, I've had, you know, some similar uh, things happen to me as well. So it's uh, I don't, I don't really think everyone can understand it, but I, th I think if if people are open minded, they can they can because it's, it's just such a like your mind is working so much different, you know, than other people. It is, you know, and you know, no one not no one's mind works the same at all. No no one's no one thinks the same way. There was this teacher I had whenever I was a freshman in high school. No, no eighth grade, eighth grade. I was in eighth grade. And um, he told, he, he had like asked like four kids to come to the board and come up to the board, like the dry erase board before we had star, you know, and our kids have like starboard and shit. Like they, they like basically uh, they have like a little, like, like a stylist. And it's basically like playing a Nintendo DS teaching with a Nintendo giant Nintendo DS now. Uh, that's what I used to say. But anyways, um, and he asked the kids to draw a house draw their house and like the street in front of it or no draw is just a simple house in a street and like a four like a like a block and everybody drew it completely different and then that's when he was like no one's mind works the same everyone's mind works differently everyone's everyone has a different picture of things everybody sees the world different everybody no no, no like you you can find people that are similar to you you can find people with similar interests you can find people that you feel like you can like be in a group with, but there's only one you. And that's what people never really 
It takes, there's not everyone can do that. A lot, there's a lot of people that are followers in this world. There's a lot of people that are just, you know, sheep. And, you know, I've, I've never, ever believed in that ever. I've always wanted to be me. I've always loved being me, you know, like I, I, I geek out over like the stuff that like no one else gets, <laughs> you know, like I'm a geography nerd. I love learning about different places. Like we were talking about like Louisiana and everything. Like I love doing that shit. Like I love talking about my state, learning about your home, learning about anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, or like just things like that. Like that's, that's like my, uh, that's basically what I do on like my spare time is, is, learn about different states and, and, and wanting to travel i love traveling like that's that's my release on everything other than music you know and oh, especially when you play music a lot of the times you're traveling so that's even better so it's like i get two and one with that you know back whenever i mean we well we did play in kansas city this year in st joseph missouri but like you like touring and playing music two of my favorite things in the world like doing them at once I mean, how can I not be happier in my life than doing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's totally understandable. Um, you know, speaking of your music, so um, this song Talladega that you just put out, uh, what what was the inspiration behind it? Talladega, the, the funny thing is the title was actually just a working title because, I don't know, the song just sounded like it was a race. Like, it just sounded like it was just like blood pumping and you know, just sounded like it was intense. And actually, after I write the, okay, like my, like I have a weird lyric writing process. Like I really don't know when it's going to hit me or when like my good stuff's going to hit me. It just kind of happens. And I kind of write what I'm feeling as I'm feeling it, not thinking about how it pieces together and how it relates to, or what I'm trying to say, you know, like I, I just write it. And then I go back and I figure it out. And I can paint the picture like I, I, I can give my band or I give them like vote like lyric breakdowns like once everything's done and I, I figure it out. And what Talladega is, I wrote it about and, and this kind of goes back to what we're saying about like you don't take that you, you don't you miss every shot you don't take. You know, it's about those insecurities for like those that 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 fear of failure and that fear of uh, not doing your best or not or making a fool out of yourself or you know, just not doing, not, not doing every, like you feel like you're not going to do it the way you want to do it. You're not going to win. You're not going to come out on top. And it's, it's kind of, it, it kind of does the, the, the way the lyrics are, are put. It's like, it's kind of like you're in front, you're all the way in the back. You're kind of in the middle. You're trying to catch up. It's kind of like, it, it relates to that in a weird way. In my point of view, I mean, I wrote the lyrics uh you know trying to think of an example scattered and bored i feel alone i don't feel right where i belong you know sometimes you know especially going back to like you know back in those days i didn't even feel right being where at, at a show you know i just kind of felt out of place and like this is where i'm supposed to be you know this is like my life this is what i do and, and i just don't even like back then like there was times i just didn't want to be there you know, and it just, it just felt like it was too, like, I don't know, I, just, I, just, I couldn't take it, you know, or there were just a lot of also other internal things, but, you know, the fact of like, they just felt like you weren't, we weren't getting anywhere. And it was just kind of like, it, it's tiring, you know, especially whenever you're like constantly having to go here, go there. And then you're the only one in the band that uh, has the, the ability to, to uh, rent a U-Haul trailer uh, and drive it you know, place to place and, and use your gas, use your 2004 uh, Dodge and freaking wear and tear damage on it. And then they trash it. That, that's, that's, that's not the current band. Um, but anyways, um, then also it goes from just feeling out of place uh, because of it, you know, like you kind of look at the bigger crowd and you're like, I should be there but I feel like I'm sanctioned from being there because I didn't give my, I didn't give it a chance. So now, because I didn't give it a chance, I'm not there, even though I should be there and I know I should be there and I want to be there, but it's that fear that 
of taking that shot and of going all in because you're scared it's not going to work or you're going to make a fool of yourself, you know, or you're going to uh, just fall flat on your face. You're not going to win the race. So uh, just making sure. But yeah, sum it all up. It's, it's about insecurities and it is it's it literally played into perfectly when we got onto that subject because that is what the song is about you know and i mean i've taken shots and we've all taken shots but there's some shots that there's there's some stuff that i want to do but i, I it, that goes also back to me not reading directions just me just trying to figure out how to do it but still not taking that chance and i mean there's so much more i want to do you know, as far as like entrepreneurship and there's a lot of things I haven't taken that initiative to do yet. And now I'm like, well, no telling what I could have done if I did it. So, but yeah, I mean, it's still, it's a great song. It came out great. The video came out great. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that people are liking it and um, I'm excited to put out more because we got more coming. Yeah, I actually, uh, I checked out the video and uh, it, it was well done. Uh, what was it like uh, putting the video together? Well, shout out to Dream Seeker Productions for their hard work on it. It was cool. It was like a movie set. I mean, we had a tent for snacks and food and drinks. And, you know, we were out in the, uh, we're out at NOLA Motorsports uh, in New Orleans, uh, which is the biggest go-kart racing facility in the entire country. But we weren't on the track. We were just in the, I mean, the thing was like, it was like an underground kind of like, uh, not fight. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even compare it to fight club. I don't even know how I was going to say that. Uh, probably it was just like, like a underground, like street racing, like, you know, people come out, they bet big money. It's a very small get together. It's not like a whole thing. Cause the thing's supposed to be illegal, you know, so you don't have a whole lot of people there. You know, you got a couple of people in the race and you got people, you know, betting money. It's like, if I win and that, that, you know, in, in the video, it kind of relates to that, you know, I win, I get my girl taken away from me and, you know, I got to do whatever I like. I fall behind. Now I'm like, Oh shit. I, ha I just really won the prize, but it, it, it like, it relates to the video, but it does. And it kind of tells like a polar, like, like another like dimension of what the lyrics could mean. And that's about like winning and then getting it taken away from you and you having to like risk you risk it all to get it back. And then finally getting it back and like, not looking at it the same anymore because like it's like jesus christ you know like i almost lost my girl or you know well the girl in the video which i mean was my character's girl to something senseless you know something just for money and but it was great i drove around in a mustang shot in a field uh we watched i mean i got a <laughs> like you know even though like you know they go over the fact that the gun is not loaded uh, it still was like really weird. That was the first time I ever had a gun pointed at me. And that was still like very like anxiety. Like <laughs> my anxiety was rising because like, I've never even just like been in a situation like that. We're screaming at each other. And, uh, but, but Ollie is a phenomenal actor. And I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, I, I had a blast doing it. It was, it was, it was definitely a new experience for us because we did a video before and, and that video was great too. But it was like not an all day thing. Like we, we knocked it out fairly well because it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was one guy doing his damn, and that, you know, shout out to Chase Garcia, you know, on Alone in the Dark, you know, he did everything himself, you know, and Dream Seeker had like a whole team. But um, I mean, I, it, it was a blast. I enjoyed every bit of it, except the heat. It was hot as hell. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So let me ask you this. Uh, do, do you have anything uh, uh, upcoming that you want to talk about? Let's see. We got uh, well, I, I can't really say a whole lot, but I can't say uh, be on the lookout because uh, we will probably have a new song. We will have a new song coming soon. I can't really say exactly how soon just yet, but uh, we're, we're going to be dropping a few we're going to be dropping a few songs before this first EP comes out. Cause uh, and I say first EP, cause there's also going to be another one. So that's all I can really say about that right now. So just also, you know, check out our website. We've got new merch on there. We've got 
uh, pretty much anything and everything, every one of our social media links, uh, any updates of any shows coming up is on there at www.adventuresmusic.com. You can find our Facebook, Instagram, we even have a TikTok, which we're, just, we're very new to and trying to figure out how to use. Um, and oh man, what else? Is, I mean, everything's on there, videos, our music, uh, anything that Ventress has ever done is smack dab there. Everyone really needs to check out all of your socials, buy your music, and definitely buy that merch. I, I've taken a look at it, and uh, uh, I, I really like you, the the logo and the uh, the designs that you guys have. Oh yeah, it's oh yeah. Shout out to Tony Prince and uh, Josh Cook, who did our earlier uh, artwork, but he he passed away last year, so rest in peace to him. And you know, anybody, our entire team at MVK Music Group. Got to give a shout out to them. Um, everybody that's helped us out, Dreamseeker Productions uh, with Talladega, everybody, all the actors in the video, uh, to everybody who listened to the song, watched the video, shared the video, and to those who are going to see it in the near future, uh, check us out, man. And uh, we've got a whole lot more, and uh, we got more coming too. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to be on the lookout. Hell yeah. Well, uh, was there anything else that you'd like to highlight? Um, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And uh, I, I really, really appreciate it. I would love to do it again. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, maybe get the other guys in here as well, too. Um, uh, thank you so much, man, uh, Jared. And can't wait to do this again, man. I hope you have a great time. And anytime you come back to Louisiana, man, holler at us and we'll show you around some more. And uh, anytime we're out in South Georgia, man, I like to holler at you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I've been itching for another trip to uh, uh, Louisiana. It's it's just such a fun place. Oh yeah, it's it's a blast. But I love Georgia too. Mm -hmm. So Georgia's yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe we'll bump into each other at some point. I hope we do. Mm -hmm. All right, and uh, and uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking with you again. I do as well, my man. Thank you so much for everything. Mm -hmm. No problem. Well, uh, thank you for being on the podcast and um, goodbye. Oh, goodbye, my man. Take care. You too. Thanks.